Assalamu alaikum, peace be with you. You're listening to Cup of Parenting podcast and I'm your host Aisha, a pediatric speech and language therapist, mom of seven and parenting coach here in the UK. Don't forget if you already haven't done so, you can download our free downloadable printable productivity planner journal at www.cupofparenting.com forward slash planner. This week I'm joined by Carrie Ann. Carrie Ann is a founding member of one of the UK's leading tuition providers, Explore Learning, which you might have seen if you go to do your weekly shop in Tesco's. She has over 20 years of experience working in education, supporting children aged 4 to 16 and the tutors that inspire them. She also has experience in school governance and chairing the school PTA, that's the Parent Teacher Association, for those of you who are unfamiliar. She's also a mum to two teenage girls Girls and she's passionate about making a difference to our future generations and helping them discover the joy in learning. Now, Karianne, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Karianne, I'm going to start off by discussing, I don't know if this is the same for you, but in our household, as we approach exam season, for those of our listeners who will be familiar with A-levels exams coming up, GCSE exams coming up, and even if you have children in the younger years, they might be getting ready to do end of year exams. I feel like I find myself almost nagging at my daughter, you know, to see if she's done enough revision. And I know that's not the best way to approach um, the exam season and we shouldn't be doing this. But, you know, as parents, you do want them to do their best, don't you? So is there anything we can be doing in terms of approaching the exam season sensibly as parents, you know, and sort of encouraging our children to do well whilst not coming across as being quite sort of nagging about it? Yeah, and I completely uh, agree with you. And I fall into that category just, 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 well, just two days ago, my 16 year old about to sit her GCSEs and really wanting her to just show that she's committed to doing the revision. <laughs> I, you know, the amount that we think as parents they should be doing. Um, I guess we all know every child works differently and their brains work differently and they respond differently to stress. And, um, I guess our, our key role is to try and keep that environment as calm as possible and to keep things in perspective for them as well, that, of course, we want them to do well. Education is their route into so much in life and they open up so many doors if they do well in it. But that love and that 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 sort of pressure that we unintentionally have as parents can um, sometimes have the opposite effect that we want and can cause them to almost shut us out or feel that education is something that they don't like and they don't want to do um, because maybe they feel that it's something they can't access. Um, So I think finding ways that we can uh, bring excitement and pleasure into learning is really important, especially in that exam time where Yes, the pressure is is very real and there's a feeling of uh, fear of failure and fear that things in life aren't going to be as they want them to be if exams don't go well. Um, so an environment like Explore Learning where we've got sort of tuition centres where 
children can come and they're just away from that level of expectation um, and pressure that they might feel within school or in the home environment where there are tutors that can really champion their skills and build their confidence and help them to realize that they really are capable of unlocking all sorts of opportunities for their future. That sounds like really good and sound advice. I, I completely agree with you there, Carrie Ann. Thank you for that. Now, one of our mums, one of our listeners has sent in a question asking that if tuition is something that, you know, she parents might be considering for their children either now or in the future, what might be a good age for them to consider tuition for their children? Is there a specific age they should be taking their children along to tuition or enrolling tutors? Is there an age in which they should start? I think um, that's, again, really down to the ability and what's right for each individual child. We We start tutoring children from the age of four when they're in reception right through to 16. The experience that they have at four years old is of course very very different to what we're doing at GCSE um, but for a young child it's really about being another source of support in learning the key phonics and accessing numeracy and uh, understanding the basic level of maths it's giving them a, a club and an environment where they can extend and, and practice further the skills that perhaps um, the they're finding tricky to absorb at school or maybe they're really enjoying and they want an opportunity to take further um, so there isn't really a right or a wrong age um, I think it's really about um, each child there might come a time where you feel that there's something missing maybe their individual needs you don't feel are quite being met um, in their current school environment or maybe it's difficult to always support what they need at home. And so this can be uh, a great way and quite a light touch way, a couple of hours a week, where you can just really see the difference in children sort of engaging with their learning and starting to kind of really understand some key maths and English concepts that maybe just hadn't quite uh, clicked with them. Thank you for that. Now, I just want to go back to a point that you mentioned. Obviously, you've mentioned maths and English. Um, and as uh, someone who homeschools their children myself and um, often approached by parents who might be approaching homeschooling or even education in general for the first time and thinking about supporting their children, whether their children are in mainstream school or homeschooled. Um, and they sort of ask, where do I start from? And I would usually advise them to start off with maths and English because those are for a number of reasons the sort of main important subjects um, I mean in terms of English as well we try and take our children to the library every week to sort of foster a love of you know reading so are they the main subjects that parents should be sort of focusing on can you just shed some light on that because I know those are the two that are usually focused on aren't they in, in tuition centres in generally so are they the subjects that parents should yeah. be focusing on and, and if so why is it those subjects and sort of can you shed some light on this please yeah I think you're so right they're definitely the two subjects that tend to unlock the rest of learning because once we have access to reading and and comprehension then we can learn about anything we can read about anything and we will start to gain a true understanding of all of those topics and similarly with maths 
um, that unlocks our ability to understand the world of uh, business and markets and also and science um, and and just kind of our general ways of life and and how we operate in society. Those two things help us to to really have the foundations in place. And that's why at Explore we've focused on maths and English. Um, because I think that once children feel that they have a really secure understanding, they can go forward and see themselves as being able to be independent learners, which is always our goal, is that we want them to, to really go into life and see that it's a lifelong thing, learning. And we, as long as we have the basic tools to be able to access that, we can adapt ourselves throughout life to take on the new challenges that come. Yeah, that's really insightful. Thank you for clarifying and, and providing more information on that. Now, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, Karyan, is I know you're a mum to two teenage girls yourself. And certainly as a mum to teenagers myself, I find that there's new challenges that you're faced with when they get to that age. So I know there's so much information out there when, you know, when you're going through pregnancy, when your children are quite little or they're toddlers or the preschoolers, or even when they go through the school age, but not so much when they reach the teenage age, yet they still need you as a mum, don't, don't they? And there's certainly so much more challenges. I know like my eldest as, as about to do her A-levels and you sort of, you know, me and my husband thinking about her future and what's going to happen next. And they're sort of going to be independent quite soon, aren't they? And their own sort of their own people going out in the world and doing their own thing and living their own life. So I think you're presented with different challenges. And do you find that as well as a mum to teenagers that, you know, the responsibilities and the challenges are quite different in terms of the parenting journey when they reach that age compared to obviously when they're when they're younger? Yeah. And I think they need you in a, in quite a different way, and it's um, and sometimes you've really got to have that patience, haven't you, to just kind of be around to to bounce off when they're feeling that yeah, I've got this, I'm fine, leave me alone, kind of let me go forward, and then you just wanting to be there in case anything goes wrong, in case that they they need um they need more guidance and support and um i find that is such a balancing act isn't it you you just find that every day you're you're kind of teetering a little bit on eggshells of <laughs> uh, what do i say that's not going to upset you too much but you know helps you to know that i'm here and i i want what's best for you um uh, so i i really feel that i have newfound respect for all those uh, parents that have gone through the teenage years and um and I think have have found that every day you need to approach things maybe slightly differently as you're respecting um their space and giving them the opportunity to make decisions by themselves um and learn from mistakes sometimes we can't always be there um but you just hope that you've role modeled um in yourself the way that you are the way you are in your community and to show that this is how you hope they can foster a life for themselves going forward um so i i, I feel that i have to um hopefully you know trust in myself that i'm leading by example and what i, I 
hope is something that my girls choose to follow into as well, which is just being part of their wider community, giving back when they can, making a difference in any opportunity that they have. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Now, one of the moms that I was talking to this week was asking me advice about the fact that, you know, her child was in a school. So this particular child is in private school and parents are sort of rethinking their decision as to whether this is the right school for this particular child or not. And sometimes, you know, especially at this time of the year, you might have parents who are thinking about school choices and, you know, we live in the UK and there's so many choices available to us, aren't there? There's private school, there's public school, there's homeschooling. Um, so sometimes parents might approach me and ask her, oh, what's the best school for my child? And so whether they've already got children in school or whether they're first time parents sort of thinking about school, it's sometimes it can be quite daunting because at the end of the day, everybody wants the best for their children, don't they? They want their child to have the best education so that it can help them with the future. But sometimes that's quite a hard decision to make, especially for those whose children don't go to school yet, or they might even be new to this country. They might be sort of wondering, um, how to approach thinking about school. So I was just wondering, you know, as a as a mum yourself and sort of someone who has been in the education sector for a long time, what might parents consider when they're thinking about schools for their children and what are some of the sort of best ways to approach and tackle okay. this really um, when they're thinking about their children starting school, especially those starting school for the first time? Um, I think you have to visit them and uh, meet the teachers, meet the leaders. Uh, go really on your gut instinct because you know your child better than anybody and you you know their unique ways and what makes them tick. And some environments will be exceptionally perfect for a type of child and others just won't work and won't work for you or your family or or for your child so it's really it, it's a difficult one to sort of you can't make a, a blanket assumption really on any school and for me I think uh, it was really important I felt that my girls were able to go somewhere that they could walk and be in close walking distance so that their friendship groups and the activities that they were then going to do after school were generally all close to home for me and for being a working mum that made life a lot simpler um, because I didn't feel that I had that pressure. I adding, added pressure for our family of then needing to try and get the girls to different locations after school. And um, so there's quite a lot of to consider just uh, around the education itself because there's the time that they're in school, but then there's also all the activities that you want them to get involved with and clubs afterwards as well. And I think that... Um, for me, it was about keeping it as local as possible so that we as a family weren't stretched to the point that we were taxi servicing all over the area and that we could make sure that they had some downtime and uh, without, you know, evenings being too long and we could have meal times together and, and things like that. So um, location and teaching and the quality of teaching were the two things that I was particularly looking at from my perspective um and and that, so i yeah i think for parents it's really about um taking the time to go together to see those things 
um, when you have the opportunity to visit schools. And if you're new onto the process, then I recommend visiting as many as you can because you really do then get an appreciation of how different each environment can feel. I think that's really sound advice. Thank you. And especially about going and visiting the schools, because sometimes, you know, what you might see on paper or when you've spoken to other parents might not be what you see when you get to the actual school itself, isn't it? Whether that's um, a good or bad thing. So, yeah, I think that's really, really important for them to visit schools. Now, sometimes I speak to parents, Karyan, who say that, you know, there might be issues at school and they might be worried about things happening in school. Um, and I always say to them, you know, don't try and sort it out yourself in the playground. It's probably better to approach the school themselves um, and, and try and sort it out like that. So for any parents who are experiencing any sort of, sort of difficulties or issues with their children, how can they approach the schools and, and talk about these difficulties? I think it's having a really open relationship, firstly, with your child's class teacher and um and having and making opportunities to go and speak with them. Um, teachers have a very busy days and the end of school pickup is quite a challenging time for them, especially if you've got a class of 30 and they're all coming out and they're trying to get snippets. So my first recommendation would be to just ask them, could we make a time to have a phone call or for me to come in? Because you're not going to get the best uh conversation with that teacher at, at the gate um, when they're trying to see everybody off. It's quite a distracting time. So, um, and I think that that sets you up to have the best first conversation with them is if you can make a quiet time when they when you can come in. And then I think it's being very clear what you see the difficulties are for your, for your child at the moment and have a, some sort of understanding of what you'd like to happen as a result as well because sometimes a teacher doesn't really know like do you just want me to know that your child's having friendship difficulties or is there something you want me to change about what I'm doing in class to help with that so I think really thinking about what's in their power to do um, and what can we do as parents to support our children in building resilience towards some of those conflicts and difficulties um, because there are always going to be difficult conversations difficult situations that our kids find themselves in and so I and I think something that hopefully we can do is to find ways to to build up their resilience to cope with um, uncomfortable situations know when they should stand up for themselves also know when maybe it's something that they should just think well do I need to get really upset about that or is that somebody else's problem you know um, it's a that school is all about learning all those social skills as well I think that's such an important point that you've mentioned there, Karianne, about building resilience in children. It's something I've talked about in previous podcasts, definitely that, you know, in the real life and when, when our children are grown up, they won't always have things happen their way and things will not always be nice and as they want them. They will run into difficulties and situations that they're not, that aren't nice, that they're not familiar with in real life and problems and they should be equipped and skilled enough to be able to deal with these. So that is so important. Now, one of the things I wanted to mention was there is so much advice out there for mums, especially new mums, like around pregnancy and toddlers and when they're little and um, feeding and the best you know clothes to wear and the best sleep patterns etc but I guess um, 
what I'm thinking is when thinking back, so maybe you thinking back to yourself when you were a new mom and I'm thinking back to when I was a new mom, what is the one advice that you'd wish somebody had given to you? Because sometimes I feel like we're so caught up in bringing up children that we sometimes forget as moms that actually what you're doing is actually quite a demanding and amazing job itself. And we don't take time to appreciate ourselves um, or, you know, even reward ourselves for the fact that we are doing an incredibly hard and difficult job. So if you could sort of go back in time, what is a piece of advice that you might give to a younger version of yourself? Or indeed that maybe you'd wish that somebody had given to you um, when when it comes to parenting? Yes, so right. And... We live in a very different society now to previous generations too. And that can be quite challenging when we're trying to take advice from um, from maybe our parents or our extended elders and, and we're trying to figure out, well, who knows, who knows best. Um, uh, but I think there's a lot of wise advice out there. Um, but I think the one thing I maybe would love to have told myself is that it's okay to take care of yourself. A, a bit like the whole um, putting your uh, oxygen mask on first on an aircraft that we as mums can stretch ourselves very thin and uh, and lose sight of who we are as individuals, especially when we have newborns and toddlers and that feel like our whole life has suddenly been lost to what it was before. And I think that taking time out for ourselves is not just important, it's kind of vital to also our children's well-being because when we look after ourselves and we are calm and healthy, uh, then we bring our best selves to them. We can problem solve better for them. We can have more patience and react to situations more calmly and we can just be our best selves. So taking time out and maybe sometimes other people will make you feel guilty about doing that you know um, allowing somebody else to look after your children for a few hours so that you can have that downtime is actually a really really good thing to do and we shouldn't feel guilty about it as mums allowing other people to share the journey with us I think it doesn't just have to be our solo burden Yeah, I completely agree with you. And once again, I do think you're right. Sometimes as mums, you just don't prioritise on self-care, do you? But if if you're healthy, um, then you can be, you know, the best version of yourself for your children. No, totally. Now, something else, another sort of hot topic that comes up a lot when I'm talking to the parents in my group is the topic of um, social media um, and, you know, electronic devices and one of the things that the parents are saying, I know there's some parents in my group who refuse to let their children have a phone, for example, at all. And then there's a never ending battle in the household as to whether the child should be allowed or shouldn't be allowed. And if so, you know, how often should they be allowed to use it? And it's a sort of like a peer pressure as well, isn't it? Because it seems like if a particular child hasn't got it, they'll come back and say, well, everybody in my class has got it. Everyone that I know has got one. It's just me who hasn't got a mobile phone. And it's not just mobile phone. It's just yeah. the use of social media, which has advanced um, like crazy in recent times, hasn't it? And I don't want to take away the fact of, obviously, mm-hmm. there are advantages of technology and there are advantages in education of using 
things online <laughs> that are available and different, um, you know, different advantages of using technology. But I, I think this is something that didn't exist. Like you mentioned, that there's so much has changed from when we were younger. These aren't sort of issues that we had or problems that existed because we, we didn't have those devices and those aren't things that we had to necessarily um, overcome. So that's something that I feel like is coming up a lot these days. You know, the the use of this yeah. technology and the use of social media and the impact it's having on our children and, you know, should we let them use it? How often should we let them use it? huge yeah it's it's really tricky and it's something that we're still learning we didn't grow up with it ourselves so um for us to figure out what what are the negative impacts what are the positives you know how do we get that balance is something that we're still we're still all figuring out and it's an ever-changing uh, situation because there's, there's new things coming out all the time um again i think we have to role model i think that if we want our children to be less on their devices then we all have to do it in our household um because it's, um, I know that I've I've limited myself. I set time limits myself on um, on social media apps because they are so um, easily time wasted. You know, you, um, so I set a timer on mine so that I know, and I I feel like if I can uh, say, well, I'm doing it, and hopefully I can then um, say, well, this is how I manage it. Um, so that it's something that then my teenagers ultimately can choose, but I hope that they also see I'm not sat all the time looking at my phone. Um, and so I think that's one place that we can start. But I think with younger children, there are a wealth of amazing resources now, learning resources that we can use with our children. But I think it's really important that we that we also don't forget that face-to-face interactions with ourselves them seeing that they're hearing their mum's voices, talking with their mum, reading together. I think um, do, having sort of rhyme time and singing and all, all, all of those things are still really valuable to have with a real person. And our, our devices can provide amazing interactions. They can provide brilliant teaching videos and resources, but I still don't think they replace a human person. Um, and for me, that's the same with with where we sit with tuition as well. Like uh, we use AI, we use um, um, all the digital learnings that are out there to make our experience as as good as possible. But we don't replace the human because it's really it's the human interaction that helps learning come to life. That helps those memories really be founded and um and that helps our social going forward you know um so I think that that's something that we have to hold on to um is that we don't want our children to to lose some of those social interactions that we previously had when we were growing up. That's so important that you've mentioned about human interaction that it was only yesterday I was talking to a friend who was involved in taking a school class of quite young children on a trip and she was saying they only went to the farm but because they're from quite a uh, you know disadvantaged 
area they'd never even left their area let alone go to a farm and their faces were all lit up and they just loved it and you know as part of the community work that I do we do arrange trips and we make sure we try and take children outdoors Um, and sometimes as a mom I feel quite guilty that I haven't done enough for my own children in terms of take them out and about but we do try we try and get them out of the house and go on different types of trips you know visiting um, maybe heritage sites or just going for a walk to the park because uh, again I feel like when we were younger it was mm. quite common for us to be outdoors or play outdoors whether that was in the back garden yeah. or the front garden it was quite normal for us to do that but because of sort of the dangers today we don't seem to do that I feel like the yeah. today's generation don't do that that much and also that they're you know they might be indoors on their devices or whatnot doing other things but I just don't feel like they're getting that outdoor human interaction that you just mentioned. Yeah, it's scary. I think there are some scary stats about how little time our children overall spend outside. And um, I think that there's such a learning can happen in so many different ways. And for me, especially in the summer, because, <laughs> you know, the winter months are here are, are not always conducive to being outside for long periods of time. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but certainly in the summer, or if the sun comes out, let's get outside, you know. And, um, and uh, yeah, I, I think that I am always championing that, the, you know, learning can happen anywhere. And you can do, um, you can do kind of bingo while you're outside doing A to Z you know, treasure hunt type thing, trying to find a whole range of different uh, um, things in in your garden or in your park or local area. And, you know, we have a lot of ideas of that on the Explore Learning website. So if you if you want to sort of um, get some stimulation, then then definitely go on there and try those out. But I think, yes, um, we can in, you know, we can stimulate a love of learning in by taking our children out it doesn't have to just be conventional sitting down with a book or with pen and paper we can we can find ways that they can learn new things all over the place so I think yeah definitely being able to get out with them um, is exciting for us all. Yes now as a final question Carrie-Anne for any of our listeners who might be considering using Explore Learning as a tuition centre for their children can you give us a bit more information about it and how they might access it? Yes, absolutely. Um, so Explore Learning is available throughout the UK. We have about 95 um, learning centres um, and we also operate online. Uh, the tuition is provided either one-to-one or in very small groups, but everything is very much individualised to your child. And it's really about um, finding out where they're at right now and building growth and enthusiasm for the learning in maths and English. So it's for four to 16 year olds. And explorelearning.co.uk is our website where you can book a free trial. Um, and that you can either do that virtually online with a tutor, or you can book and come into a physical center that's near you. And obviously those environments work differently for different children. So some kids love to be in the comfort of home, and, and just have that convenience of being able to contact a tutor whenever they want. Whereas for other children, being in a, in a bespoke kind of learning environment that's different from home and school is something that's really stimulating for them. So we offer both and, and hopefully that would be something that you would find a, a solution for. And people come then once or twice a week and work with their tutors. 
on a on a bespoke range of activities that are designed for their children. Um, so yes, I, you know, we'd love to welcome any listeners to come along and and find out more. Thank you so much for that information, Karianne. I have really enjoyed having you join me today and I've certainly taken away some gems from our conversation and I know that our listeners will have done as well. So thank you so much for taking time out and joining me in this week's podcast. Thank you, Aisha. That's it from this week's podcast. Inshallah, I will catch you on the next one. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.